0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. The Clarence River Jockey Club proudly presents its historic July double, the Ramoni Handicap on Wednesday July the 8th and the Grafton Cup on Thursday July 9th on one of Australia's best country racecourses. The 1200 metre listed Ramoni, first run in 1910, will carry a purse of $200,000 and the same prize money will be available, 2350 metre Grafton Cup, which also had its beginnings in 1910. Traditionally, both races attract metropolitan standard fields. In an ordinary year, the two-day Grafton Festival would attract people from all over the nation. In its heyday, the Grafton Cup Carnival generated huge crowds and a Melbourne Cup atmosphere. In 1972, when Big Butch won the Cup, 102 bookmakers fielded on the day. I've known people who haven't missed a Grafton Cup Carnival in 30 or 40 years. There's something about the Jacaranda City, there's something about the atmosphere of the Grafton Racecourse, and there's something about the legend of the Great Ramoni Handicap Grafton Cup Double. These two showcase days on the country calendar will be covered on Sky One, Sky Thoroughbred Central and Sky Sports Radio. Despite an absence of racing background in his family, Stuart Kendrick made up his mind to be a horse trainer very early in life. He was born in Sydney but moved to Mackay in Queensland with his family at age 10. His equine interest developed when he became involved in the showing of Arabian horses and around the same time, he found himself taking an interest in the races. When it was time to join the workforce, he became a cadet in a local business broking firm and it just so happened the owner of that business, David Denny, raced a few horses. When David recognised Stuart's growing interest, he suggested the 20-year-old should take out a trainer's licence and even guaranteed him a couple of horses to get him up and running. Today, Stuart Kendrick has 60 horses in work at the Showplace Sunny Coast Stabling Complex with the capacity to spell or freshen horses on his 40-acre farm just 15 minutes away. Last season, he won 89 races in Queensland and is on target to better that figure this season. His name is frequently mentioned among the ranks of Queensland's top trainers. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Stuart so far, but we're going to do the next best thing and have a yarn on the podcast. Thanks for your time, Stuart. I know you're busy. It's a race day.
1: good morning, John. My no pleasure to be on with you.
0: I think the best testimony to the job you're doing... Is the fact that you've got 60 horses in work. You've obviously got a very loyal owner base up there.
1: Yeah, no, it, uh, it's been a, a lot of work and a, and a long process, but we've, we've got some terrific owners now and very loyal owners that have, uh, you know, many of them have been with us for a number of years and, uh, and always support us at the yearling sales each year. And um, it's, it's an able just to build a, a really strong team now, which is good. And, um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to have a, a good a good bunch of owners that, you know, not only are clients but are friends, friends as well.
0: It's Sunday the 5th of July as we record this podcast and it's been a pretty good week for you. You won a Doombin with Queen Sweeper. You won a Doombin with I Dream of Green. And you won another one at Eagle Farm yesterday with a horse whose form indicates great consistency star of michelin
1: yeah no it's been a good week and um really uh uh for one of my really good clients uh judy cuts they've been great supporters and she actually owns and bred queen sweeper and star of michelin so that uh that was very satisfying and the uh the race last week was one of the cutest races with queen sweeper so i think she collected about 70 odd thousand of the winner which was excellent Mm. and um yeah, so it's been a good week and, uh, and I Dream of Green was really impressive getting back to form on uh, on Wednesday at Durnman as well. So, yeah, no, it's been a good week.
0: Once you settled in on the sunny coast about seven years ago, you followed your dream of having a second property not too far away where you could give horses a change of environment when needed. It wasn't easy. Uh, you were looking for quite a long time, but you stumbled upon a lovely little 40-acre place just up the road.
1: Yeah, no, we're, we've we've been really lucky there. It's it's very difficult to buy a bit of quality land or or property around the sunshine coast as you could realize it's fairly popular and especially so close to uh, the racetrack because I just didn't want to be travelling horses long distances and uh, to, to give them a freshen up, you sort of defeat the purpose sometimes. So we wanted something nice and close and, uh, yeah, we were really lucky to, to pick up a little property just up at Cheval and Palmwoods and it's only about, as you said, 15 minutes up the road. So they can race on a Saturday or a Sunday and we can have them up there uh, the same day that afternoon and freshen them up and, and back in. So, yeah, no, we've, re- we've been really lucky to be able to secure that.
0: Now, your eldest son, Nathan, who's 21, actually runs that property for you, Stuart, as he inherited your passion for horses.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it's funny with... Uh with the boys i mean they they really didn't have any great interest early days like a like a lot of kids i suppose they had things going on their sport and everything else happening but um as they got a little bit older you know they decided to uh to come involved in the horses and now they're uh they're very passionate about it and um yeah nathan does a lot of work out at the farm and he's uh he's also you know putting a few little partnerships together to race horses as well and yeah no he's going well and um yeah, he's, he's really picked up uh, picked the horse side of it very quickly. So uh, it's great having him involved.
0: Now, your younger son, Bailey, who's 19, works with you in the stables in town. So you can keep an eye on him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. Look, he's uh, he's a good kid. He really uh, enjoys the horses. He's, uh, you know, very hands-on there at the stables and, um, yeah, working his way up. Uh, the first 12 months he was there, he, he was doing boxes and, um, you know, no, um, no arguments or issues. He he got in, got the work done, and now he's sort of starting to uh, you know get involved a little bit more on the training side. So he uh, he loves that side of it, and uh, yeah, again, he's doing a great job, and um, he uh, he's starting to know the, the form and the horses as good as anyone. So no, he's going really well.
0: Your only daughter Paige is fifteen, and so far she has shown no great affinity with thoroughbreds, but <laughs> no. t- two out of three ain't bad.
1: Two out of three isn't bad. Yeah, no, she um, you know, she's got a, a lot of other things going on as fifteen-year-old girls do. there at that age, and um, you know, she's in grade ten and uh, and doing well at school. So um, yeah, no, she uh, um, yeah, she hasn't really got any great interest in the horses at the moment. But um, maybe like the boys, as she gets a little bit older and the and the, the racing side kicks in, where she can uh, enjoy the social side of it. I think that might be her go.
0: Your wife Trudy could hardly be termed a racing fanatic. But she's a terrific office manager, and she does a very valuable job in in a most important role.
1: Yeah, well, well, Trudy's been uh, yeah the backbone really, because as in uh, as in most cases, the uh, the office side um, dealing with a lot of clients, and um, you know it's uh, it's a lot of hard work, and she does uh, she does all of that and uh, and runs the office. But um, yeah, she sort of probably got involved obviously with the racing because of myself and um, yeah probably uh, early days she she loved going to the races but not really the horse side of it but um, again now she, uh, she you know she does love going to the the races now and she's a lot more involved especially with the boys interested now and uh, as I said she does a lot of the hard yards behind the scenes and um, yeah without her without her doing that it would be uh, almost impossible so no, she does a terrific job
0: she's obviously listening Stuart.
1: <laughs> She's not, but she might be <laughs> later on, John <laughs> <laughs> Well, back in
0: early April or probably late March You embarked on a very ambitious trip to Sydney With a three-year-old gelding called Eric the Eel He'd won two two-year-olds last year on the sunny coast Then he won a class three at Doomban over the mile And then he beat all ages in an open race over 2200 metres after which you made the very big call to bring him down for the Australian Derby. A monstrous task, but you're to be congratulated, uh, Stuart, on your judgement. Didn't he run a race?
1: Yeah, he did, John. He gave us a big thrill. Um, I must say halfway uh, up the straight, we thought we might have even, uh, even been able to get the bickies. But um, look, he ran a, a fantastic race. Nashua Wheeler riding. Uh, we are probably about three lengths off the second last horse um, early in the race and, uh, you know, I thought, oh, gee, it's going to be a, a fairly big task against, um, you know, some of the horses like Shadow Hero and Castle Vecchio, probably one of the, the better derbies that we've had for a while and I thought, oh, it's going to be uh, a big job for him. But, um, you know, when he sprinted and he actually gave Castle Vecchio a bit of a shove out of the way on the turn, I thought, gee, he's going to be right in the finish and, you uh, yeah, no, he ran a terrific race and uh, and ran third and, uh, yeah, gave us all a big thrill.
0: Now, just after they turned for home, Stuart, he got into a real bumping duel. The horse on his inside, one of Gerald Ryan's, uh, came out and, and didn't just brush him. He gave him a decent old bump. You bounced off that horse onto Castelvecchio and copped another one. I <laughs> mean, they, they were two pretty hefty bumps.
1: Yeah, they were, and, um, you know, and that that was the thing that Nay said, you know, he, he just had that, uh, you know, momentum sort of halted a little bit, and obviously it can knock the wind out of him a little bit there, but, you know, to the horse's credit, he picked himself up and, uh, and chased hard all the way up the straight, so... Um, yeah, he was uh, – it would have been one of the, um, you know, one of the great Derby wins, I think, if he actually had have won it because he, he was just so far off them and then got that interference and, um, you know, had to make a lot of ground up. But um, but he, he definitely, as you said, he did us proud. I mean, um, he's been one of those horses that we've always had a big opinion of from uh, really from his first start. And uh, he was very competitive as a, a two-year-old. He ran in the JJ and wasn't too far off Shadow Hero, which gave us a little bit of a – um, you know, a little bit of confidence going forward into some of those better races. But as it turned out, we, uh, with the, the COVID situation, it uh, was all quite complicated with getting horses uh, down to Sydney, as well as the, the Winter Carnival up here at that time was actually uh, cancelled. So we had to look at our options. And, you know, as uh, as we worked out, uh, we could get him down there. And Bjorn Baker was a, a massive help for us. He uh, He looked after him down there for us and did a great job. So um, it all worked out really well, and as I said, he uh, he went very close. Mm.
0: Well, sadly, he's gone. Uh, another one to the lucrative Hong Kong market. The offers flowed freely. You probably had offers even before the Sydney run, and uh, this is going to prove a real thorn in the side, you know, for Australian trainers. Stuart, uh, you know, any any trainer with a promising two or three year old in the stable is in grave danger of losing him.
1: Yeah, it is. It's ah, uh, it's one of those things at the moment. I mean, it's ah, uh, I think probably the timing with that horse was was difficult as well, with the carnival being cancelled and the reduction in prize money. And um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. It's a, a real uh, toss up for a lot of owners and a really hard decision for for many people. But um, you know, especially for the guys that have got a number of horses and that can keep their, you know, their their racing interests uh, going, it's pretty hard to knock back those sort of offers. But uh, yeah, very much take your point on board. It's uh, it's difficult because um, probably some of our best horses in the stable have uh, have gone to Hong Kong, mm. and um, you know it, uh it's happening across the board, and and it is uh, it it is a difficult business decision for many people to make. Mm. Well,
0: let's go back to 1991. You were working in that office for David Denny, and he could tell you were absolutely hooked on racing by that stage of your life.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I was. I mean, I, I must say, ever since I can remember, horses have always been my interest. And, um, yeah, uh, once I came to work at Mackay Business Brokers, uh, David was uh, very involved in the racing. He had a number of horses in Brisbane, and he had some uh, some old race horses in the paddock. And As it turned out, uh, he said, look, why don't you, uh, you know, have a bit of a muck around with this horse, And uh, which I did. And probably a little bit different, John, back in those days as well, uh, I, I went and saw the local steward and was given a, uh, an owner-trainer's licence back then, and it was probably just a matter of being able to show you could handle horses and do a little bit of work, and, um, you know, they could sign you up on that, and uh, that's what I did. And, you know, I used to ride the horse around the cane paddocks up in Mackay, actually, and uh, Mm. Um, Getting fit that way, and then take him over the track, and it was a it was a great uh, great learning curve, that's for sure. I think he got beaten about twenty lengths his first start, so <laughs> we could only improve from there. But no, it was uh, something that I, I I loved doing and enjoyed.
0: Well, your first training win was on the Mackay track on the twelfth of April, nineteen ninety three, with a horse you actually got out of New South Wales. He'd had one run here. Uh, for a placing actually he was placed in a Hawkesbury Maiden and then you got a hold of him you ran a couple of placings and then came your first win
1: yeah that's right a horse called Monojet so um, no I bought him as a a tried horse and um, you know I was sort of doing my form a little bit knew a little bit about form always had a a bit of um, you know a bit of interest obviously in the form side of, of racing and um, thought he'd be ideal for a, up in Mackay and uh, it took a little while for us to, to get that first win but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very exciting when we did and, um, yeah, no, he, uh, he went on and won a few more races and, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that little horse.
0: Well, you learned very quickly <clears throat> and you had an enjoyable few years training out of Mackay but in the mid-1990s you found yourself unable to resist the temptation of giving it a try in Brisbane and you were lucky enough to find stables at Eagle Farm. Now, Stuart, it wasn't a fleeting visit. You stayed for 10 years.
1: Yeah, we did. Um, Well, Trudy and I moved down. Um, uh, Yeah, we are both obviously still quite young at the time, and uh, she got a very good job down here, and uh, we decided to stay. And uh, as you probably uh, realise, it's fairly hard work when you're uh, only in your your early 20s to try and, uh, you know, get some owners and get horses in the stable and, um, you know, we leased horses and I tried to buy some, you know, tried horses, a lot of them with issues and problems or, um, you know, behavioural problems but it, it was a, a really good learning curve because you had to to work with what you had and mm. I think that was the big key and we did a lot of, uh, you know, I had a couple of really uh, good staff, we did a lot of beach work, we took them down to Nudgee Beach a lot and rode them all down there and, you um, yeah, it, uh, it was a really good learning curve, especially for horses with issues and being able to keep them sound and stand them up and, mm. and get them to the races. So, yeah, no, it uh, it was enjoyable, but a, a lot of hard work, that's for sure.
0: Your first Brisbane winner was a horse called Farmer Son, who'd previously been with Kelso Wood and Lorraine Earhart. You won a Class 4 with that horse at Doomben, and the jockey uh, was a bloke we see plenty of in Sydney these days, Christian Reith.
1: Yeah, no, it was a big thrill that day, actually, uh, because we, we thought he could win, and we uh, we all had a, uh, a good wager on him, actually, so uh, we were doing a, a house-up at the time, and he actually paid for the internal staircase, so it always sits <laughs> well in my head, that horse, so uh, no, we had a, he, he was a really good horse, he had, again, he had his issues, but um, he, uh, on his day, he had a, a really good sprint, and uh, yeah, no, we had a, a, a really good, uh, good win off him that day.
0: I wonder if the and staircase is still standing.
1: <laughs> Actually, it, uh, it'll it be interesting. I, sometimes I have to drive through Hendra now. It's changed so much, um, you know, with all the development and the stables all on course now. So um, I would say the, the big chances of that might be a couple of units or a couple of townhouses <laughs> yeah. on there now.
0: <laughs> well, around about 2004, you made the very big decision to head back to Mackay. When the Queensland Thoroughbred Incentive Scheme was introduced to stimulate interest in Queensland-bred horses, now the concept included tracks in Northern Queensland, and that really motivated you to head back. You you went back to Mackay, and I think you went back into the business brokerage for a short time.
1: Yeah, we did. Um, as I said, we were we were doing a lot of hard work down in Brisbane, and it was. Difficult to sort of try and really build that team of of quality horses, and it was very competitive at the time down here as well. And uh, we had um, we had bought some property quite well, and um, did a couple of little subdivisions on the property. So we we sold those, and um, you know we had uh, we walked away with that with a with a nice urn and we sort of had to decide what to do. And um, Trudy was keen at the time. We had the the boys who were still quite young, and she was pregnant with Paige, and. She was keen to get back up to Mackay where her parents were, and um, we just thought a change would be good. So we uh, we looked at heading back up there, and uh, it was it was timely with the um, yeah the changes in the in the uh, programming in Mackay with the uh, the cutest scheme going ahead. So I decided just to take a few horses back, just do it as a little bit of a hobby, and uh, have a bit of a break for a while, mm. and uh, get back into the business broking and and do a bit of that as well. So just to try and mix both up and. Um, yeah, so I, when we first went up, that was what we started doing. So.
0: Mm. Now, well, one of your owners, Stuart, Neil Douglas, loved racing in those cutest races, as you call them, in northern Queensland, and he gave you tremendous support, and his support continues to this
1: day. Yeah, um, no, Neil's been, uh, well, probably a, a big uh, a big part of the stables for for a number of years now. He actually sent me up a... A horse, uh, well, how we first um, um, got our connection, he just rang me out of the blue, actually. He said that he, he looked up and saw who had a good strike rate in North Queensland and gave me a call and said he had a horse to send up and um, he came up and went, uh, won his first couple of races up there and uh, we got on terrific and, uh, yeah, and, and Neil just kept supporting me while I was up there, which was fantastic and then, yeah, uh, and was a big part of the move back down to Brisbane, that's for sure.
0: Well, over the next few years, out of that Mackay base, you won five local premierships. You made your mark.
1: Yeah, we did. We um, we, we were sort of uh, um, fairly selective in the horses that we had in the stable. We didn't have a, a huge stable, but um, I was very keen to to get quality horses in the stable, and I had some good connections um, down in Brisbane. Brian Guy was uh, one that um, was really good. He'd send me up a number of horses, and um, you know always give me a heads up if they had one for sale there that might suit up in you know in North Queensland so Mm we were lucky I used to jump on the plane a lot and go down to the uh, Sydney sales and the Melbourne sales and buy some tried horses as well but once the um, once that cuta scheme really kicked in uh, then we decided to to focus on a few of the younger horses as well so um, so we had a good mix up there and um, and it worked well and um, yeah we were very competitive most of the time
0: English sales graduates Dominated the Group One scene right through the 2019-2020 season. They got away to a flying start when Samadou won the Wink Stakes, the first Group One of the season. Vow and Declare won the Melbourne Cup. Exceedance won the Coolmore Stud Stakes. Super Seth won the Caulfield Guineas. Natoya the Doncaster. Quick Thinker the Australian Derby. And Nature Strip, the T.J. Smith, just to name a few. In total, Australia's leading thoroughbred auctioneers provided 22 individual Group One winners. They had the biggest number of stakes winners who won the biggest number of races. Inglis sold the highest number of three-year-old Group One winning Colts and the highest number of stakes winning fillies and mares. Won't be long now and the Group One round starts all over again with the Wink Stakes at Randwick on August the 22nd you can bet the English graduates will be right in the thick of the action again in the new racing season. My special guest is Stuart Kendrick from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Well, the grind of travelling eventually wore you down. Mackay didn't race every week, which meant you had to go to Rockhampton or to Townsville frequently. Doesn't sound much, but there are vast distances between those coastal cities up there.
1: Yeah, it's a a lot of travelling, John. I mean, we used to to get up obviously around three o'clock in the morning, work the horses, uh, jump in the car at six o'clock, drive four to five hours to either Rockhampton or Townsville, um, put the horses in the stable for a couple of hours, go and have a shower, um, go to the races, pick the horses back up again and um, and then travel back that night and get home at 10 o'clock and again, jump up the next morning and go again. So, It was a lot of work, a lot of travelling, you know, and, uh, you know, it's hard enough uh, walking across the road when you get beaten, let alone drive five hours home, but Mm. it was just part of what you had to do up there and, um, unfortunately, um, you know, it does take its toll on you after a while and you sort of got to assess things and, we, uh, yeah, we had a a few really nice horses in the stable and it was probably an opportune time to, to look at coming back down.
0: Well, a certain bay filly by the now retired, not a single doubt, indirectly changed the course of your career in 2012 when she was highly competitive at the elite level in Sydney. We'll look at that later. Her name was Doubtfully. She was a $17,500 yearling. She won $688,000 from six wins and six placings and she kicked off in a blaze of glory at Townsville by winning a race by six lengths. Now, you took her straight to Brisbane and she missed a place on two occasions. Uh, I think one was at Eagle Farm, the other was at the Gold Coast. Did anything go wrong in those races?
1: Yeah, she was She was quite a hot little filly, John, and she, um, um, in Townsville, she was just, you know, obviously way too good for the horses up there, but she came down and she got a fair bit of trouble at Eagle Farm and uh, nothing went right that day and um, we actually bought her down with the intention to try and qualify for the Magic Millions um, which we uh, which we brought her out of and we had uh, one more throw at the dice which was uh, down at the Gold Coast I think it was the might have been the the race the week before and um, again she got herself into a lot of trouble but flew home I think she ran fourth that day it was a really good run mm. but just wasn't enough to uh, qualify unfortunately to get into the Magic Millions race. So. But from there, she did take a lot of uh, benefit, you know, being in the bigger fields, and um, and she learned fairly quickly and uh, and went on from there.
0: Well, she won consecutive races at Eagle Farm and Doomban. <laughs> then you gave her a little freshen. She then won a quarter-of-a-million-dollar cutest race at the Gold Coast by a huge margin, and that convinced you that she was deserving of a trip to Sydney. And you were very lucky to get Damien Oliver, to ride her in the Group 2 Magic Night Stake. She ran fourth in that.
1: Yeah, she did. And uh, look, Damien got off that day and we, we sort of had made the decision that she had to, to really win that, um, you know, to to pay up to to go into the Golden Slipper because she wasn't actually nominated at the time. And Damien got off and he just said, look, he said she wouldn't disgrace you if you did go to the Slipper. Said, he said it was a good run. Um, again, she'll improve off the run and... Um, you know, he, he gave us a little bit of confidence, um, but we sort of walked away that day thinking, oh, she'd run well, but, you know, that was probably the end of our, our trip. But um, after that, uh, I think it was that night, there was a little bit of rain around as well <laughs> in Sydney and uh, the owner group sort of got together and, um, you know, we thought, well, we're not going to ha- get too many chances from Mackay to, to have a runner in a golden slipper. And as it turned out, um, we were elected to, uh, to pay up the... Um, one hundred and fifty thousand to go into the race, and uh, it was a a crazy week from there, really.
0: Mm. And she finished how far from the winner? Feel and Ready won that one.
1: Uh no, Piero actually won that. Oh, Piero uh, was it? Yeah, yep. won that uh, slipper, and um, yeah, look, she she ran fourth, and uh, it was a big thrill because it was one of those things that um, you know we. Uh, we got uh, front page on the Sydney Morning Herald, I think, as the you know the the battlers from from North Queensland paying up $150,000 to run in the slipper, and I think she won $190,000 for running fourth that day, and uh, it was like winning it actually, because it was uh, we got our money back and a little bit of interest, and uh, yeah, it was a, a massive day for everyone involved, so uh, big thrill.
0: Like so many of those precocious two-year-old fillies she failed to carry her juvenile form into later preparations. Her only subsequent win was in a listed race, the Ascot Handicap with Damien Brown on board, but she'd done her job, Stuart, she'd won a lot of money, but most importantly, she gave you enough confidence to have a serious crack in Brisbane.
1: Yeah, definitely, John. I mean, that was the thing we... um you know, you, you really need that sort of horse to, to give you a little bit of a profile when you do come, you know, to, back to the city. Uh, it's, obviously, there's a lot of good trainers and a lot of owners, um, you know, really uh, cemented with their, with their trainers. And you, you need to have that little bit of a profile and be able to uh, to attract some uh, some new business and some new owners. And uh, we were lucky with that, um, that she did do that for us. And, uh, you know, she was one of the, the major reasons for moving back down.
0: This time you elected to bypass Eagle Farm and go to the burgeoning training centre at Caloundra. What appealed to you most?
1: Yeah, the, the facilities at Caloundra are, are outstanding. they just spent a lot of money um, building all new stabling complex. Uh, they had the, the synthetic track. Um, everything was, was virtually new there. Um, they'd spent a lot of money Queensland Racing when they did it, and they did it well. And uh, Eagle Farm at the time was still, um, you know, still just out of the old stables and stables around Hendra and different things. So, um, you know, it was it was really a bit of a no-brainer when we saw the facilities up here. And uh, we, we also liked the idea of not being right back into the city, just being in a little bit more of a country environment. And the kids were still only young and, and they could still uh, enjoy that that part of life as well. So, yeah, it was um, it ticked all the boxes, if you like, and um, yeah, and it's worked out really well.
0: You had another pretty slippery filly at the same time as Doubtfully, by the name of Avalady Luck. And like Doubtfully, she started her career way up north. The first two wins were at Mackay and Rocky. Then you took her to the Sunshine Coast with the rest of the team and she was destined to win three more, a couple at Eagle Farm including a listed bright shadow and I think she won a doombin too didn't she
1: she did she was um yeah she was only a little filly and um yeah she I think she cost me about twenty seven hundred dollars when we bought her so um mm. uh, that year we bought doubt Philly and uh and and Ava Lady Luck and I think they cost us about twenty thousand for both of them so mm. it um it was a good result and she was she wasn't a big filly or a um a good a good sort really by any means but she just had a a huge heart and she uh she did a great job for us and yeah between her and doubtfully they uh, as you said they they put you on the map a little bit in brisbane they won stakes races and uh and ran in the in the good races and uh it was fairly important at the time
0: well between them stewart they won very close to a million dollars
1: yeah they did and uh then we sold both through the sales as broodmares and uh I think Doubtfilly bought about 300, and uh, and Ava mm-hmm. bought about 150. So mm-hmm. it was a, a huge return, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was sort of one of those things that was a, a good financial uh, you know kick on at the same time.
0: Charnley River only had eight runs and didn't win a race, but he did run second in a Group One, the JJ Atkins. Did he have any problems?
1: Yeah. Look, he uh, unfortunately he had a lot of bleeding issues, and uh, he ended up being um, sent over by uh, by Ross and Judy Cuts over to America to to race over there because uh, he had two um, uh, two bleeding um, uh, bands here, and uh, as you know, once you uh, once you have that, you're no longer allowed to to race in Australia. Unfortunately, he had a a, a heck of a lot of ability, the horse, but um, yeah, that sort of just told on him, unfortunately, but. Um, yeah, he gave us a big thrill as well. I mean, he um, he ran second in the in the group one and, um, yeah, it, uh, again, close, but, um, yeah, just uh, not quite good enough on the day.
0: Eric, the eel isn't the only one you lost to Hong Kong. Another one of your favourites, full as a boot, was sold after just three runs, which included <laughs> a very easy win at Doombin and a second to sunlight in the Magic Millions two-year-old classic without back Barbie third hot field
1: yeah it was a hot field that year and um look, we, we were very confident leading into the magic Millions that he'd run well and you know unfortunately he drew the outside barrier or near outside barrier and um he he blew out to about 100 to 1 i think that day so um he was coming off some good form but obviously a, a hot field and as it's turned out it's been a, a very hot field with sunlight but um he ran a, a huge race that day. He came from, from way back and um, there's a lot of interference in that race and he sort of caught the uh, tail end of it as well. So his run was outstanding and, um, yeah, again, gave us a big thrill that day without winning. But, uh, yeah, soon after that, uh, the offers from Hong Kong were just were mm. huge. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he's uh, he's lived up to the promise over there. But, no. um, yeah, he uh, he was a, a lovely horse and uh, by Sepoy that, you um, He was actually a half-brother to Targento that uh, Chris Waller trained. So he had a good pedigree and we bought him well and, yeah, had a good result.
0: Fuller boots new name in Hong Kong is Hello Beauty. John Moore is his trainer and I'm sorry to say he hasn't won in 17 starts. Now, there's another one, Stu, who was plucked out of your stable by the Hong Kong buyers. He raced in Queensland as Ted, Um, a very ambassadorial name. <laughs> he won two races at the Sunshine Coast by very big margins. Then he went to John Size in Hong Kong. He's won another four over there, including a derby, and his new name is Ping Hai Star.
1: Yeah, he was a lovely horse. Um, he uh, he was bred by uh, Lisa and Glen Morton, and uh, he, he actually ended up in the stable they uh they passed him in in uh, new zealand and couldn't sell him and i said look you know i'll buy him and uh we uh had his half brother over here for them uh called neo that won the prime minister's cup and uh anyway after after that um glen Elisa said look we'll we'll stay in him and as well and uh as it turned out, uh, yeah, he uh, he was a very, very promising horse and he, he won by, I think, about six or seven lengths at his, his last two starts here before he went. And we again had plans to take him down for the AJC derby and um, I think as it turned out, he would have been very competitive. His win in the Hong Kong derby was uh, outstanding, actually. And uh, unfortunately um after running second to beauty generation at his last start who uh, won about six in a row after that mm-hmm. he uh he pulled up with a suspensory problem so he's been retired and he's mm-hmm. back uh, living the life in new zealand now as a as a nanny for some of the young horses
0: well he did his job and did it well now just to mention briefly two or three handy ones Stuart, you've had through the place spur leisure was a lot of fun Nine wins, 18 placings, $318,000. Hingis Rose was a handy mare. She won four at Doomben and well over a quarter of a million. Winter Passage was useful, seven wins, 13 placings, $234,000. Horses that give their owners a, a terrific ride. And old Tarzan has been a ripper. 16 wins, nine placings, well over half a million He was among the bats you brought with you from Mackay to the sunny coast.
1: Well, he he actually, John, was the first, uh, one of the first yearlings I bought when I did move down here, actually. So I had a couple of horses for Neville Bell at the time in Mackay, Mm. and he had him going through the uh, cutis sale, and uh, I was just on the verge of, I was still based in Mackay and on the verge of moving down. and. Uh, I bought him out of the sales. I think we paid about 18000 for him. So um, mm. he's been a, a terrific old horse and, um, yeah, he's still going at the moment. And, um, yeah, we've we've had to look after him. He's had his share of problems, the old boy, but um, he's done a fantastic job.
0: Just to illustrate the highs and lows of racing, let's look at Tambo's mate. Not many weeks ago, you were on cloud nine when he beat some nice horses in the Group 3, the BTC Cup. He was then unplaced but not far off them in the victory stakes and he was looking a realistic chance in the Stradbroke. All of a sudden, he disappeared. What happened to Tamba? Yeah,
1: unfortunately, John, in the victory stakes... um he sort of came through on the inside and I thought he was going to actually win that race that day and um, just didn't quite finish off um, as he normally does. And uh, as it turned out, he pulled up and uh, he strained a, a branch of his suspensory that day and must've just put his foot down wrong. And um, yeah, uh, Matty McGillivray got off him that day and just said, just check him. He said he just didn't quite feel right that last furlong. So um, unfortunately he's out for um, probably a six month period, but um Luckily, there was no massive tear or anything like that, and um, yeah, hopefully we can get him back uh, with a bit of TLC. Mm.
0: His owner is DM Tamblin. I presume his nickname is Tambo.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is, and um, yeah, he's he's had a lot of horses. He he yeah uh, he's again been a, a good supporter of the stables, Dalan. He uh, he actually had horses with me uh, when I was in Mackay. And then um, he stuck with me when we moved down to Brisbane. And, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of uh, good horses like Light Feet Lady for him. He, mm. She won about 10 races and um, Tambo's Jewel and a number of those. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, I, I think he's quite a lucky owner. He's, uh, he's good to have in the stable. He always has a horse that can gallop.
0: One of your biggest setbacks in recent times was to lose the services of a great horseman and a super jockey in Damien Brown, who was forced out of the saddle by illness and injury. You've missed him a lot.
1: Yeah, Brownie was always, um, yeah, a big part of the stable. He, uh, he was very good. He used to come and ride to work uh, a couple of times a week for us and, um, yeah, he was always, uh, you know, uh, a really... Um, you know, a really solid part of uh, the stable. So it's uh yeah, it's one of those things when you do have a, a good jockey that you can go to it, um, and that also does the work. You know, it uh, it um, it's a shame when they have to, especially one of Damien's um, quality as well. You know, and uh, it was always good, good feedback on your horses, which is very important.
0: Jim Byrne has ridden winners for you, so has Larry Cassidy, James Orman, Jake Bayless, and Tegan Harrison who's recently back from injury and has had a couple of rides lately on Tarzan.
1: Yeah, look, Tegan's good on, uh, you know, on um, a lot of front-running horses, which Tarzan is. And, um, yeah, she's uh, she was having a great run for us before. Unfortunately, she had a fall and was outed, and um, she's actually on one today, which is a good chance. So, um, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we can uh, resume that sort of association. She's uh, she's a lovely girl and, um, yeah, always puts 100% in for you.
0: Dale Smith is riding work for you currently and you've been giving him quite a few race rides too. I watched him ride a Sydney mare at Eagle Farm recently, Stuart, in Good Time, which Barry Lockwood is looking after for Tracy Bartley. He's a very good rider, isn't he, this bloke? I think he's a West Aussie by birth, but he spent a number of years in Victoria.
1: Yeah, look, he, he is a good rider, John. He's uh, the the other thing with Daly. He, uh, he puts in the hard yards. He, um, you know, he's there three mornings a week riding work, and um, again, similar to um, to Brownie, really. They're uh, you know they're uh, old heads, and um, they're really give you some some terrific feedback on your horses, and it's it's good to be able to work with those sort of jockeys to try and improve your horses all the time. And um, yeah, I think uh, that's valuable, and you know, he's he's a lovely. Lovely bloke to uh, work with as well, so that always helps.
0: I noticed you've got a few horses campaigning currently in northern Queensland, being looked after by a former jockey in Adrian Coombe, who's now training. Now, you've obviously got some sort of an arrangement with Adrian when you feel a horse is better placed
1: up there. Yeah, look, Adrian and I go back, you know, quite a while. He, uh, he used to be my main jockey uh, when I was based up in Mackay, and uh, he lived in Mackay uh, for a number of years, and uh, actually, when we first moved down to uh, Sunshine Coast, he came down as well, uh, but he moved back to Rockhampton, and uh, unfortunately, he always had some weight issues, Adrian, but he was a very good horseman as well, and um, yeah, he's flying now since he's taken out his uh, trainer's license up there, and and we work in, in well together. If I've got a horse that I just don't think is quite good enough for down here, we usually uh, take it up and uh, give it a run up there, then leave it with Adrian and, um, you know, we work in well together and uh, he can always uh, give me a call and, uh, you know, knock a few ideas around and uh, and it's worked well. So he's done a great job for us and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can continue doing that.
0: You've got it all ahead of you, Stu. You're still on the credit side of 50. You've got <laughs> 30 years of experience under your belt. And you're in horse heaven on the sunny coast.
1: Yeah, John. No, it's been good. I mean, uh, you know, with this business, as you know, it's uh, it's very time consuming. It's a lifestyle. I've been lucky that um, you know that I've been able to do something that I enjoy so much, and 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 that's the big thing. I mean, I get up most days, even in the even in the cold or the rain, and uh, you look forward to going and seeing how the horses are going to work and how they're going. So. You know, I think if you can do something that you love doing, it uh, it does make it a lot easier. And um, I've been very lucky to to turn my passion, I suppose, if you like, into my uh, job.
0: Been lovely to have you on the podcast, Stuart. Keep up the good work, and thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure.
0: And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.